You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. And today we're going to be talking all about endometriosis. This is a question that I get a lot of questions about. Do I work with people who have endometriosis? What is endometriosis? Why is it happening to me? Is my only solution the birth control pill? Because that's the only solution that my doctor is telling me. We're going to go through all of that today. And I'm going to preface this episode by first saying that endometriosis, PCOS, any thyroid issue is not the root cause. Hormone issues are not a root cause because hormone issues or hormones are, they're just signal messengers. And it's the signal messenger that is for some reason showing an imbalance, giving us XYZ symptom. That's not the root cause. It's not just acting up and being estrogen dominant or giving a ton of inflammation or not making progesterone just for fun. So I am a so much of my work, so much of what I do, so focuses around hormones, but we always dive deeper into, okay, well, why are the hormones off? Because hormones are a great place to get us started. Now, why are they off? What is the root cause? Because there is something deeper going on that is causing these chemical messengers to go haywire or not be as properly balanced as they should. So I just want to start with that because I think a lot of times people, we get a diagnosis, we we are the diagnosis. We feel the diagnosis. This is, we identify with it. And we just feel that we live in a Western world where you have a bacterial infection, you have strep throat, you get antibiotics, you have high cholesterol, you get a statin. Well, the statin wasn't the reason you weren't deficient in a statin. Hence why, you know, that didn't make your cholesterol go up because you were deficient in a statin. We don't get cancer because we are deficient in chemotherapy. We are so A plus B equals C. I have this, I need this to fix it, and then I will be better. And although protocols sometimes can work that way, we need to dive a little bit deeper. Functional medicine, holistic medicine, naturopathic medicine, we all take this approach of, okay, here's this diagnosis in front of me, but why do you have that diagnosis? What's driving that diagnosis? What's underneath the hood that we need to look at? Because your protocol might look like a little bit different than somebody else. That's why you don't see people meeting with functional practitioners for five to 10 minutes because, oh, you have endometriosis? Here's the birth control pill. That would take about five minutes. Oh, you have endometriosis? What's your life like? What are the underlying things of inflammation? What? Let's dive into the root causes. What's your nutrition look like? What's your stress like? What were your periods like? All of these kind of underlying things. Do you have underlying gut infections? And don't worry, we will get to all of the very common root causes that I see and that we can look for in clinical practice when it comes to endometriosis. But I just kind of wanted to start with that because when you transition to a more functional lifestyle, we have to know that it takes time to sometimes do this digging and you know, just because your best friend might have endometriosis, you guys might have it for different reasons. And so this, just because you're on one supplement or one herb, that doesn't mean that that might necessarily be the end all be all for that person. And that's why I see so much online about these female hormone balancing supplements. 
<laughs> and it cracks me up because it is not helping everybody. And they are very just, they're taking all of these really popular and common herbs, putting them all in one. And people just think I need to go on this and that'll help my cystic acne. I went on balance, Alani, uh, Alani new balance years and years ago. And I thought, Oh, you know, it says it helps her cystic acne. So it's got to help mine. I was crying at nothing. Why was I crying at nothing? Because there's DIM in it. What does DIM do? It, it's a very, very, very potent phase one estrogen detoxer. You only really need that if your estrogen is insane, if, if it is high. So you should not be on something like that if you don't know what your estrogen is looking like. And so that's just an example. And just to, again, reiterate the point that cookie cutter medicine, A plus B equals C, you have this, we give you this and you're better. That doesn't work with natural medicine as much because we have to do a little, dive a little bit deeper. And so that's why I'm really passionate about putting episodes like this out so that you can listen to what I have to say. You can listen to the root causes. You can see what might be triggering it. You can see all these different things we're going to talk about, implement it. And if you still need help, then you can definitely work with a functional practitioner to help you dive deeper. So endometriosis, what is it? Is essentially growth of endometrial tissue in other parts of the body. So in the intestines and in the ovaries and the fallopian tube, your endometrium is growing elsewhere or it is growing larger than it should. It affects about 10% of women and common symptoms that we have for endometriosis, really, really common ones being abdominal pain, chronic pelvic pain, excessive hair growth, sometimes heavy and irregular periods, infertility, recurrent painful periods. Maybe your period happens every 20 days. Maybe you're getting a period every other week. Those are typically symptoms of endometriosis. And when I say endometriosis, or when I say this diagnosis, I think I just want to reiterate again to what I said in the beginning, just because you have this diagnosis, it does not determine your fate for your fertility. It does not mean that you are going to have issues conceiving because we can take a diagnosis, we can take what it means, but then fix what's going on underneath the hood. So a lot of people come to me, I have PCOS. My doctor told me I'm going to have infertility and I'm not going to be able to conceive. My doctor said I have endometriosis. They said I'm not going to be able to conceive. They said I'm just going to have to struggle with these heavy and painful periods forever. All of those do not have to be your truth. So just know that. So just because you have these symptoms, what are these symptoms correlated with? A lot majority of these symptoms are correlated with a hormonal imbalance, more so specifically with estrogen dominance. So what is that? Estrogen is a really great hormone, and I think it gets a lot of negative press in social media and because we think of estrogen as always being bad. Estrogen, and I've talked about this before, estrogen is essential. Testosterone is essential. Testosterone gets a bad rap in female hormones too. But these, both of these hormones need to be in balance and estrogen particularly, because estrogen is so crucial for healthy bone health. It's health. It's crucial for giving us our female characteristics, you know, uh, breast tissue, the curvy hips, just all of like the great physical features about being a woman. Estrogen is responsible for that. But estrogen, when it goes down the naughty detox pathways or estrogen, when it is in excess, it can be problematic because obviously we know that it can be linked to things like cancer. However, estrogen, especially down the 16-hydroxy path, 
uh, detox pathway that we can see on the Dutch test is a very proliferative form. So estrogen and especially the 16-hydroxy or 16-OH pathway of detox is proliferative. It makes things grow. So in terms of endometriosis, it is making estrogen grow. It is making your endometrial tissue grow and sometimes grow in parts where it shouldn't grow, right? So an estrogen dominance doesn't necessarily mean that your estrogen is just completely out of whack. It doesn't mean that your estrogen is just off completely off the charts. Sometimes it does look like that, but sometimes it just means that your estrogen is high in relation to your progesterone. Those two hormones kind of act as a yang, yin and a yang. They need to be in a healthy balance of each other, especially post-ovulation because you only make progesterone if you ovulate. Why don't we ovulate sometimes? Well, stress is the biggest one. I made a post a few weeks ago on what we think stress looks like, but versus what stress does look like. And majority of people have an abundance of stress and stress is the biggest inhibitors of progesterone. So we can look at that, but what is that balance looking like between estrogen and progesterone? Okay. If estrogen is normal, but it's hot, significantly higher than progesterone, you're still considered estrogen dominant. You're still going to have all the estrogen dominant symptoms, but do we just give you progesterone cream and send you on your way? Some people might, but why aren't you making progesterone? How can we balance that out? managing stress and looking at stressors. And like I said, stress is not just emotional and mental. A stress is a lot of times physical. You have underlying gut infections. You have leaky gut. You have issues with food sensitivities. You have parasites. You have been exposed to mold. You are overtraining, overexercising. You're under eating or under nourishing, especially with um, very key nutrients to the female cycle, magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin A, B vitamins, all those different types of things are going to cause stress and oxidative stress in our body. So what are some root causes for endometriosis? What are some reasons why these hormones can be off? So it's really important to look at these and know that it's not just prob it's probably a mix of many things, but what are some things that are driving up estrogen? What are some things that are driving up inflammation? Those are the things that I want you to think about. What's impacting estrogen? What's impacting inflammation? Well, we look at BPA. BPA, it's an industrial chemical used to make certain plastics that store foods and beverages. And when it gets into the body, it can wreak havoc on your endocrine system. I've talked about this a lot definitely causing worsening symptoms, especially with estrogen. It really favors that 16-OH pathway. It really favors even the 4-OH pathway of estrogen dominance, which that can cause DNA damage. Um, so BPA is a huge one. It's a huge endocrine disruptor. Glyphosate is a huge one too because it can disrupt organ and endocrine function. And it's also um, really significantly correlated with things like leaky gut. So glyphosate does this amazing thing, amazing, I'm being sarcastic, where it kills all of the good bacteria, but it does not kill the bad bacteria in your gut. So it almost acts as like an antibiotic, but it's not killing the bad stuff. So therefore being able to cause leaky gut, when you have leaky gut, you're going to have a lot more food sensitivities. You're going to have a lot more immune system activation with things that you eat because things that typically wouldn't pass through your gut have the ability to pass through. And when it doesn't typically pass through, sometimes your immune system mounts in a response. And that's why I'm not a huge fan of just food sensitivities without context and without knowing what's going on. Because if you just get a food sensitivity test and you light up on a million different things, okay, 
great. That you just took a really expensive potentially test to tell us not to avoid these foods necessarily forever, but you've got leaky gut if your body's reacting to this many things. So, but why is your body reacting? The answer is not to just cut them out forever and then just go on your day. How do we really heal and support that leaky gut? Heavy metals, especially lead, cadmium, arsenic, and mercury are heavily associated with endometriosis. So heavy metals can come from fertilizers, different fossil fuels, industrial pollutants, uh, poor waste or water management, different vehicle emissions. And when these accumulate in the body, they love to lead to endocrine disruptions, different hormone conditions, and especially infertility. So it's really important to look at where these things might be coming from in our body. Mold and mycotoxins. I just did a mold webinar in my online membership, and this is huge, especially because mold, how it can impact estrogen and your histamine response and make you so much more sensitive to things, make you feel bloated, make you feel moody, have your, make your periods heavy because mold, it's very common. It's it's in different foods, it's in our homes, it's in different moist environments, especially like bathroom, think bathrooms, locker rooms. I saw it everywhere when we were in Florida. So exposure to different mold can definitely throw off your female hormone balance. So, I mean, and even male hormone balance too, because it can definitely lead to higher estrogen in males. That's really common. It's a huge reason I see infertility, gynecomastia, all these different things showing up more in the male population. So especially if you have extreme fatigue, menstrual irregularity, and especially unexplained weight gain, we definitely want to look at mold and mycotoxins and mold. Mold isn't... Mycotoxins are essentially the things that mold, the toxins that mold can be spewing off. So it's not necessarily one exposure to mold and then you've got estrogen dominance and endometriosis. It's more so the exposure. So much of that has to do with how well your mitochondria is working, how good are your liver detox and your drainage pathways that you're, so that your body can get rid of it. Um, really important to know other things that can definitely contribute. I definitely talked about this, but gut infections like leaky gut, leaky gut's kind of like a broad term, but intestinal permeability being, you know, the common medical term associated with that parasites, huge one because parasites not only hold on heavy metals, they hold on to mold. They can be impacting your hormonal balance because they're creating that low grade stress. They're stealing our different nutrients that can impact the amount of progesterone that we can make. So you really want to look at these. What are some other things where inflammation can be driven from? So inflammation can definitely be driven from a stressful lifestyle. Do you overtrain? Um, do you eat inflammatory foods, right? So alcohol, alcohol is one of the biggest things that raises estrogen levels in males and females. And so if you've got endometriosis, which is very estrogen driven, alcohol is not going to be your friend. Um, alcohol is really not good for anybody. Uh, it's especially in healing journey. It's really not good for anybody, but especially when you're trying to heal your hormones, alcohol is very, really not beneficial. Certain types of conventional dairy, so you guys know I'm a huge fan of raw dairy, um, but certain types of conventional dairy, especially a one, you know, corn and soy, corn fed, wheat fed, especially because wheat and corn can be high in mycotoxins, like we just talked about with mold. Then your cow eats them, or the cow eats them, and then it gets into their milk, it gets into their fat supply which then we might be eating. So I'm not saying, you know, avoid those things. Maybe look for 
grass-fed, look for regeneratively raised. You know, if you are going to do dairy, you can try maybe a difference between conventional and then like a grass-fed A2 because the A2 protein is a lot less inflammatory. Or maybe you just do better with like goats or sheep milk. Or maybe you just need to do a kind of a trial of completely dairy-free and see what your symptoms are like, especially since it can invoke histamine in some people. So it's just worth knowing that that might be something heightening the immune response. And then gluten's another one. I mean, with thyroid, it's a given that gluten is super inflammatory competing for the same nutrients, but even with endometriosis, gluten's inflammatory. Um, and it's often laden with pesticides, which pesticides, they're having a whole systemic impact, especially, but on your gut. So knowing that you can take those three things, which pretty much with everything, not just endometriosis, those are going to be inflammatory. Additional things, you guys know the vegetable oils, the seed oils, very inflammatory. And because those are, infl I have to actually tell you this. So I had a, I have a patient who, she probably came and saw me last summer. Endometriosis was coming off birth control, was petrified because she thought that she needed to be on birth control for her endometriosis and really wanted to come off though, because of what it was doing to her body. So one of the biggest things we did was vegetable oil. She was realized how much it was in everything she was eating. She was eating like a lot of vegan alternatives just because she thought that meat was not good for her. And the vegan alternatives were filled with soy, which conventional soy is so heavily sprayed with pesticides, but it's also a huge way that you can boost your estrogen levels is with soy. So I do not recommend soy to any of my endometriosis patients. I don't recommend eating much of it anyways. If you are, try to do an organic fermented form like tempeh, organic tempeh. But with endometriosis, I, it's not something I typically would recommend. But anyways, she cut out vegetable oils and I mean, we transitioned off birth control like an absolute gem. She had no symptoms and no pain when her period comes, no bloating, none of those endometriosis-like symptoms. And so just with that alone, and of course some other things that we did, but we can we think that that was one of the biggest things that she did to really help lower that inflammatory level. So some really good foods to help. So when I think of good foods that are going to help bind up all those extra estrogens, I think of those high fiber rooted vegetables like carrots, like I love a good raw carrot salad. Beets can be really good. Cruciferous vegetables, because those cruciferous veggies are really going to help bring down that overall estrogen load. So your cabbages, your arugula, your chard, your broccoli, cauliflower, all those different types of things, really, really helpful for bringing down that estrogen level, then we want to do low glycemic foods. So low glycemic foods are things that are not, you want to balance your blood sugar because blood sugar dysregulation is a great way to increase your inflammation. So you want to stay away from obviously, you know, quick grains, you know, breakfast, different cereals, things like that. You want to stick more towards protein focused. And then what's my veggie? Am I going to have a starchy carb? And even the order that you eat, it can impact your blood sugar. So eating the healthy fat and protein with fiber first, before you eat a starchy carb, like if you have a piece of sourdough bread, have your protein, like, so if you're having eggs with it, have your eggs and avocado and your sauteed veggies first, and then have the sourdough bread instead of having that first and then eating the rest. That in itself is a great way to just the order in which you eat to manage your blood sugar, because not, not, 
higher blood sugar, higher insulin is a great way to also make things grow like problematic estrogen, but it's also a great way to increase inflammation. So if we can balance blood sugar, that's going to be super key. Some really good herbs, uh, sorry, vitamins, minerals, vitamins and minerals are, are very, very important for this, especially deficiencies in B6, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, very, very important for affecting hormone levels. So if deficiencies in those can definitely cause anxiety, breast pain, excessive estrogen production, issues with menstrual regularity, and even ovulation. So vitamin B6, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, very crucial. Great source for a lot of that. Liver is a good source for a lot of that. Cod liver oil because you get the vitamin A, vitamin D. Certain nuts and seeds can give you that vitamin E. Um, Pretty much any animal protein source will give you that B6. Vitamin C, think of any seasonal fruit. Bell peppers are really high in them. Brussels sprouts are really high. But all of those are going to be really, really helpful nutrients that you want to focus on. And in terms of additional supplementation, I would say that's going to be a little bit more specific to your needs, what you're struggling with. Are you struggling with liver stuff? Are you struggling with gut stuff? What are your, what does your estrogen look like when we test it? What does your progesterone look like when we test it? Uh, when we look at lifestyle stuff, one of the best things that you can do for endometriosis is castor oil packs. I know that I don't ever stop talking about them because they are seriously amazing. And it is one of the easiest therapies. It's extremely low cost when you look at the benefit and it's something that you can do forever because castor oil is very anti-inflammatory because it's able to get into the dermis of the skin. It's able to help healthy blood flow, which a lot of issues with endometriosis are because of stagnancy. So that's why movement, lymph flow, dry brushing, sweating are also helpful, but castor oil packs, especially in the pelvic region are going to be really beneficial. And you get that double whammy with the castor oil packs, especially if you're struggling with liver, gallbladder and gut stuff, gallbladder and liver have a very, very high connection with estrogen issues. I did a whole webinar on it. I will link it in the show notes if you want to listen, but essentially it really showed the powerful connection that your liver has with not only your thyroid, with estrogen dominance, with cystic acne and your skin health, because estrogen can get gooped up with bile with the gallbladder. And so you need your liver and your gallbladder to be functioning optimally so that you're able to constantly continuously recycle unwanted estrogens, get it out through the bowels. So that whole system works together. I will link that webinar in the show notes if you guys want to take a deeper dive in it. And so because of that, you know, depending on what you're dealing with specifically would depend on what other specific supplements, but the lifestyle stuff is really important. And I think the majority, the take home of what I really wanted you to get from this podcast is yes, endometriosis is a diagnosis, but what is going on deeper that's causing this? Cause these things don't just happen. These things are caused by something. And that's what I want you to know. I don't want you to feel defeated. If you ever get a diagnosis, whatever the diagnosis is, whether it's Hashimoto's, endometriosis, PCOS, it is a starting place to figure out what the heck is going on underneath. So take that message. I'll put some resources in the show notes. I'll put that additional webinar. I'll put some other things in the show notes uh, to look for. Um, and hopefully this was helpful for you guys. I'd love to know if you are struggling with endometriosis, if these are avenues that you've looked down, getting your hormones tested is important. But like I said, 
it's, it's, it's important, especially to get you on a more specific path, but we need to know, okay, now that we see the hormones off, why are they off? Do we need to do more liver support? Do we need to do more gut support? Do we need to be managing our stress? What's your cortisol look like? But I use the Dutch test a lot and I found really good results because we can see what your estrogen is doing. It's not a hundred percent necessary and needed, but if you are looking for that little deeper dive to understand what's going on, it's important to kind of potentially look at something like that. But I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned something. If you don't struggle with endometriosis, but you know someone that does, please share this episode with them. If you enjoyed this episode or if you're enjoying the podcast in general, please leave five stars on whatever platform you listen to. I would really greatly appreciate it. That's exactly how we're going to get this message out and share it with more people who I know need it. And so I appreciate you in advance for doing that. I appreciate you for taking the time to listen and I will see you on next week's episode.